I'm Ryan Light for Aminoff, and today I'm joined by Sonia Lichtman, Manager in the Engagement and Stewardship Team at Federated Hermes. Sonia, thank you very much for your time today. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Now, there's been an awful lot of attention in the last few months on climate change and what we can do ourselves to hold rising temperatures. But one thing that has been a growing voice among our fund managers recently has been biodiversity. Can you just explain to us what biodiversity is and why it matters so much? Biodiverse, basically the variety of life on Earth. Um, that can be at different levels, so at the genetic level, at the species level, and at the ecosystem level. And really, we're talking across land, sea, plants, insects, um, animals. Um, and, and what's important with biodiversity, that it's not just those um, sort of differences between the species and ecosystems. It's also what are called ecosystem services. And that's the many benefits that we get um, when levels of biodiversity are high. And ecosystem services range from reliable water flow to a stable climate to ingredients themselves. Um, and, and so when we think about biodiversity, we really have to think of it um, alongside those ecosystem services that are so valuable to our economies and societies. So it's all very important, but what are the sort of barriers and stumbling blocks to addressing some of the issues we have around biodiversity? So unfortunately, biodiversity isn't quite as straightforward as some of the other ESG issues that we look at. Um, of course, there, there isn't a single metric like the CO2 equivalent that we can use to compare biodiversity impacts. That's one challenge. Another challenge is that it's, it's really localized. Um, so it's not so easy to compare between um, different areas and different ecosystems. Um, I think a lot of biodiversity impacts um, that companies have are concentrated in the supply chain. Um, and not all companies have a good overview of their full supply chain and therefore of, of their biodiversity impacts. Um, you know, biodiversity will mean very different things to different companies across different sectors. And so it's just a more complex problem um, with, with more dimensions. But we'll get there. And how will we get there? Um, how do we get um, biodiversity higher up the agenda with companies um, and with governments? I think when speaking to companies, we can be very explicitly asking, um, you know, what are their main impacts and dependencies on biodiversity? Have they done that sort of assessment um, of impacts and dependencies across their operations and supply chain? Um, I think as, as investors, we have an important voice and collectively when we, um, we sort of raise this issue and bring it higher on the agenda as we are doing for climate change, um, that can really signal to companies that it's, it's an important issue that needs to be addressed. Um, there's a lot of investor collaboration going on in this space. For instance, um, as the International Business of Federated Hermes, we're signatories to the Finance for Biodiversity Pledge. Um, and that's now a, a very large group of financial institutions who are working on how to engage with companies more effectively, um, how to assess impacts, and also how to influence um, policy in this space. And, and that was your other question, sort of how do we get it higher on the agenda with governments? Um, COP15 on biodiversity, which is sort of the other big COP um, that, that we've been following closely. Um, the first part happened in October and the second part will be in April or May. And that's when we can expect a global biodiversity framework to be agreed. 
um, which is the, the framework that um, government, governments and the private sector will then work on implementing. Um, and through the Finance for Biodiversity Foundation, we've been trying to influence that framework, um, specifically calling for the alignment of financial flows with global biodiversity goals and targets, um, and also asking for an enabling regulatory environment that will help the financial sector to better address biodiversity risks and opportunities. And how is it easy is it to sort of discover this information? You said that um, see when you are sort of looking at the sort of somebody lots and bringing them up with companies, it's easy for them to say on a, on a simple level, um, this is what we're this is what we do. We make this and this. Obviously, go further down their supply chains, their scope um, two and three to use some of the jargon. Um, it obviously gets a bit further away from what a what company X is doing and just selling something on the high street to what is happening with their sorting materials and things like things like that. Um, how are you sort of getting that information? How easy is it to get? And how much of an impact is it making when you are able to bring this information to them? There are some publicly available um, rankings of companies on certain topics like food and agriculture companies or, or deforestation, um, but obviously supply chain data is not going to be publicly available necessarily. Um, and so it is up to companies to do that impact and dependency assessment um, and work out where their, uh, where their operation, their products and their supply chains are interacting with nature um, and that should be the first step for how they then go about setting a strategy to address the most material inputs um, so you know there is a challenge with data and um, there's a challenge with companies not disclosing enough for investors to be able to assess this um, but I think that will change for biodiversity especially as we keep sounding the alarm about how critical this is as an issue Thank you. And you mentioned the, the COP um, event we've got next year. We've just come off the back of COP26, which was for the wider climate goals. Perhaps you can just talk about the, the COP event we've got next year and um, sort of talk about the outcomes for it, but what exactly people can, can do, or what awareness can be raised for it. So I think the what we'll see come out of it is hopefully something that looks a little bit like the Paris Agreement, but for biodiversity, a sort of signal um, that we need to collectively work on, on this challenge. Um, we've had biodiversity goals in place before. That was the Aichi targets from 2010 to 2020. But unfortunately, most of those, all of those targets were, were missed and there was quite limited involvement from the private sector. So that's something that's much more positive this time around. We've seen the, the private sector and the financial sector have a more active voice in, in um, sort of in the run-up to COP15. Um, and I think hopefully from that, we'll see a framework that better speaks to investors, um, to the financial community more broadly. Um, and of course, then the challenge will be how to translate that global framework into national policies, um, both for the financial sector, but also across sectors, um, so that we can work on actually implementing the framework at the national and regional levels. Thank you. And perhaps let's move on to your role at Federated Hermes. Have you got any examples of work that you've been doing that have made a material impact in this area? 
I think engagement can have a, a huge impact um, on on biodiversity, specifically for you know the the way we started our conversation talking about the challenges. It's not so clear cut. So having long-standing engagements with companies on on the topics that are most relevant to them when it comes to biodiversity um, is is a really good way to to influence um, the dialogue and biodiversity outcomes. So a few key areas that that we look at are deforestation, sustainable food systems, um, and and other industries that are having an impact on on biodiversity. Um, You know, communicating our expectations um, on biodiversity to these companies and then tracking through to, um, to, to see how they implement them. And is there anything that we can do going down to a lower level, anything we can do as sort of not just investors, but as people that can help with this? Are there any certain um, sort of foods or companies that we can use? Um, what, what can we do on a personal level? I think at the moment, the food system is probably the main driver of biodiversity loss worldwide. And that's because there are huge land requirements. Um, it's a, a major contributor to climate change, which is one of the, the main drivers of biodiversity loss. Um, and so diets and, and how we consume are really important. Um, I think eating less meat is, is an obvious one that we all know, but it does really have um, a major impact. For the same um, calorie and protein input, you need 100 times more land to grow beef and cattle compared to um, plant-based proteins. So simple changes like that can have a major impact on on biodiversity. And then maybe sort of looking forward, what's the role that technology um, plays now in finding new opportunities and solutions that will meet all these issues and um, help address them going forward? I think technology is is really exciting in this area because, as I mentioned, biodiversity is is quite localised. So, for instance, if we look at deforestation and how we can track what's going on there, um, you know, satellite technology that can show us what exactly is going on in an area can help companies to trace the commodities that they're sourcing back to a a specific area and therefore work out whether their supply chains are or aren't contributing to deforestation. So I think innovations and and technology like that will play a big role in this challenge. And so perhaps bringing it all together then, we've talked talked a lot about um, biodiversity and that thing. At the beginning, I did ask about... um, the focus on climate change, how exactly are they all, um, how do they interact together? Um, what sort of the interconnection between those two two stories? Biodiversity and climate change are really tightly intertwined. So for biodiversity, there are five main drivers of biodiversity loss and climate change is one of those five. So we've got climate change um, is is one of the principal things that's causing biodiversity loss and and degradation. And on the flip side, biodiversity and and nature offer some of our greatest hopes for climate change mitigation and and adaptation. So both the sort of absorption of of greenhouse gas um, emissions from from the atmosphere um, and also adaptation to increasing physical climate risks. So they they do go hand in hand. um, And that's why it's really important that when we're speaking to companies and asking them to commit to net zero, asking them to align with the goals of the Paris Agreement, we need to be asking how nature and how biodiversity fit into those net zero strategies. 
Well, Sonia, that's been really interesting. Thank you very much for your time today. Thanks very much for having me. If you'd like to get more information on any of the topics discussed in this, including biodiversity or climate change, please visit our website, funcalibur.com, where you can also find information on all of the elite-rated Federated Hermes Funds. And if you'd like more from our Investing on the Go podcast, please don't forget to subscribe below.